You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Over the last uh, few weeks, in the in the last three times we've met on Wednesday night, continuing in this theme of of areas of teaching that need to be reconsidered, retaught, rethought, uh, and because they've either been taught poorly or marginally, or even in some cases completely uh, questionable. Well, we've been in that uh, theme for many weeks now, and we're, we're narrowing it down, getting close. I think I've got about eight or nine of these topics that are left out of a total of 50, 54, and uh, but in the previous three, we talked about uh, about salvation and how you can know that you know that you know that you know. And so we, we talked about salvation. The, the week after that, we talked about deliverance and that ministry and what that looks like here. Uh, last time we met last week, we talked about uh, repentance and about what it really means to change your mind. And that was a uh, a much bigger conversation than God has ever shown me about why it's so necessary to live that way. But the fourth part of ministry here that is, for me, not even a year old uh, that I need to share with you all tonight really talks about this ministry of healing. It started when a young man came in and I talked to him about deliverance and realized that that wasn't what he needed. He was already saved. That wasn't what he needed. It wasn't repentance. That's certainly not what he needed. So he's sitting across from me and I'm asking God, waiting on the Holy Spirit to provide some leadership as to, okay, which way do I go with this young man? Because he's sitting here, he's hurting. There's stuff that's wrong in his life. And the Lord brought me to just this real clear message of its healing that he needs. And so, it, and, and I don't know why this would have seemed strange to me because the New Testament is absolutely full of it. It wasn't necessary deliverance that someone needed in, in some of the stuff that was happening in the New Testament. It wasn't salvation. It wasn't necessarily repentance in each one of these situations. Some people simply had situations that were broken and needed healing. We don't hear Jesus ministering a great deal to the woman with the issue of blood. We don't hear Jesus following up and ministering much to those who were healed of leprosy. They needed something, and it was healing that they needed. Others he spoke to. Others he mentioned things to. The woman that was caught in adultery, he should not only showed her the grace, he gives this moment of instruction to go and sin no more. So there was some teaching with it. The woman at the well, there was teaching that went with it. Sometimes, however, it was just healing. So if you would go with me to Matthew chapter 13, I'm just going to read one scripture and then we can talk about this. The Lord continues, I was telling the board just a few minutes ago, the Lord continues to just astonish me uh, at the necessity and the importance of his vision of this being an emergency room. Uh, the emergency room staff is about 
is about to get overwhelmed uh, because he's bringing them in waves. He's not even one at a time in it anymore. He's bringing them in waves. And I got a, a text message this morning from a young lady, one that would be very important to y'all. I uh, got a text message from her that she would be back next week and was urgent. And she said, no one's prompted me. Nobody's asked me. Nobody suggested that I come back. She said, this is completely on my own. But she said, I have to have this help. She said, I have to have it. I have to have it. I have to have it. So I was excited about that. About, but, it's, but it's urgent. You realize there's real hurts, real brokenness attached to these stories, and there needs to be healing and there needs to be restoration. So uh, I'm not surprised that God has brought us to this understanding of healing because some who come in, it's exactly what they need. And I have found even this week how direct it was that some people just really need healing. So in Matthew chapter 13, this is a passage that I dearly love because it's so filled with parables. And I've taught through these parables before, so I'm not going to go there. But I do want to back up far enough. I want to back up to verse 11. Uh, because right, right prior to this, the Pharisees couldn't understand the parables. They couldn't understand what was being said. And I, if you remember when I taught this before, I brought attention to the fact that they were hearing in parables, but it would almost like me be saying he was speaking a different language. Because if somebody in this room started speaking Spanish or German or Chinese to me. Could I hear the words? Sure. Would I have understanding? No. So when he was speaking in parables, those who had ears to hear could understand the language of parables that he was speaking. But to those who didn't have those ears to hear, they were hearing the words. They just could not process what Jesus was saying. But in verse 11, chapter 13, Matthew, this is what he said. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. The Pharisees are not going to get it. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that he has. Now we see that as somewhat harsh. When we look at the fact that the Pharisees are, are, are the ones that were considered to have, would you want what the Pharisees had to be taken away from them? Think about this. Let me ask it again, because I've never asked this question. Never dawned on me this way. If the Pharisees, what the Pharisees had, they're considered the ones who have, would you want what they have to be taken away from them? What do they have? Pride. Stubbornness, arrogance. Do you want that to be taken away from them? Absolutely. So this isn't the fact that those who have not poor, they're going to end up poorer. He's saying that those who have, who think they have, we've got to get rid of what they have before they'll ever receive something else. It's not harsh at all. It's like, I, you know, even for the Pharisees who think they have it, they won't get this until they lose what they have, until they lose their arrogance, until they lose it. So we get to see this over later in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes 
because Nicodemus is realizing what I have is not as valuable as what Jesus is giving is, is offering. So we begin to see the Pharisees begin to hear this message where they're questioning what they have for what Jesus is actually bringing. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, he, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away them that, that he has the truth. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. Again, he's speaking of Israel there. For this people's heart, this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Now, if you if being here last week, you remember me talking about this devastating reality within the Christian world today that we have a new set of modern day Pharisees. And they are as well described now as they were back then. Now, this would be harsh. I mean, in many places where I would say this, they would get me asked to leave. That if I were to stand in most churches and say, most of you here are modern day Pharisees. You're religious, but you have no relationship. You've never had an encounter. Once again, Paul considered him to be the zealot, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he valued it enough that he wanted to go out and arrest those who were, who were disturbing what he knew and actually stood there as they were killing Stephen, holding the coats of the ones who were throwing the stones. So we know of his participation and his eagerness with what he knew. Until what? What changed him from being a Pharisee? He had an encounter. He met someone. And it says immediately upon the encounter, he began to preach and teach that Jesus was the Christ. You see, you can't move people away from being a Pharisee if they don't have an encounter. If they're not willing to be engaged by God, they're going to remain Pharisees. They're very legalistic. They're, matter of fact, let me look at this. Uh, I was going down the highway one day and the Holy Spirit started talking. I'm going to have to talk to him about this, not texting when I'm driving. He is not good at honoring that. He keeps saying you can pull over. I, I, I don't know why I can't hear that. These are this, he gave me these descriptions of, of, a, of a Pharisee, then and now. They're doing their best to know the Scripture. The Pharisees did their best to know the law. The people today are doing their best to actually un, to know the Scripture. They're doing their best to follow those Scriptures, to actually do what those Scriptures say. They're letting their understanding separate them from others. Is that what the Pharisees did? They were religious. They knew the answers, but it separated them. Their pride separated them from everybody else, from those who didn't have what they had. The modern-day Pharisee does the same thing. Believe me? How many denominations are there? How many churches are there that says we're simply separated because we can't agree on what who God is and what he says we're supposed to do. Now, again, I think that describes the Pharisee being proud of the separation. It's odd to me how proud people are of their denomination, even how proud they are that they are non-denominational, which is a powerful denomination. They're unyielding in their position. 
that many, like you can talk to them and you can tell them truth and it's like they slam their hands over their ears as quickly as they can to not be contaminated by the newness of what you're saying. They are understanding God conceptually, but they have no encounter. That's why Paul was so shocked when he had the encounter. And then what did he say about the law? What did he say about all the former stuff? What We said it last week. It's an ugly word. Dung. He counted it all dung. Isn't it strange that he considered all that he had as a Pharisee in those kind of terms after he met Jesus? So listen again to this verse. For this people's heart is waxed gross. They are not interested in hearing anything else, and their ears are dull of hearing. They don't want to hear anything else. And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. He has a great desire for healing. Now notice, we're not talking here about people that are physically broken. We're not talking about people who have leprosy. We're not talking about people who are lame. We are not talking about people who, uh, who are blind. We're talking here about people who are stuck in a perspective, stuck in a concept, st- even stuck in an idea about who they are. He says, if they will hear, if they will see, If they will believe, I will heal them. So healing, which we have typically reserved kind of on a larger scale as a church, we've held healing to those things physical. How unfortunate it is that we've done it. Because if I I took somebody like, like Jan, and, and Jan's husband was just abusive. And I mean physically abusive to her and physically abusive and mentally and emotionally abusive to the kids and just awful. I know y'all are having such a hard time picturing that, that Jan's husband would be like that. But what if I went to see him and I'm sitting there realizing there's some oddities here that I can't explain. And I just say to Jen, let me take him to the doctor. And I take him to the doctor and they do some tests and they come back and say, he's got a brain tumor. This nice guy that you've been used to be married to, he's got a brain tumor. And we can take it out. And with a little bit of retraining, we can give you the former husband back. And we would, we'd be excited. Why? Because there's an explanation now. There's a reason for those behaviors now. And there's a means of extracting that from them now. And everybody would be excited about the outcome. But if I take somebody, and I deal with this. I mean, I deal with this on a real everyday basis to get somebody to believe that somebody's bad behavior is something more than a choice that they're making, but there actually is a cause. There's something as destructive as a tumor in them, this false identity that's in them that got planted there that's causing these behaviors and that there is a means of extraction 
I can't get people real interested because it's like we have been so trained to say, no, that's just poor choices and they're making their behaviors. There's nothing to that. It's nonsense. They're, they're, they, they had choices. They could have made decisions. Like, do you not hear me? Spiritually, when there is no physical hurt, you can be just as damaged that will affect behavior as, as a tumor in your brain. But to get people to believe that and to actually start having compassion on the person that has been broken and recovering is a challenge because it's like, I'm so mad at them. But if, if, if there was a story of a tumor, no matter how Jan, mad Jan was at her husband for the bad behavior, if there was an explanation and an extraction, her mad would be dealt with, I think. Here, if we can extract a false identity that will give them back something they've never had before in the man that they're married to, they're still mad. Some reason the spiritual healing doesn't create the same impact as the physical one. And somebody, I was telling us about somebody this today, said, well, it's because you could actually see the tumor. Well, I don't, if, if they extracted it, I don't think Jan's in the emergency room or in the operating room. I don't think she is. I don't think she actually ever saw it. So why would she believe that anything actually happened? Because the behavior afterward indicates something happened. But if I can't get you to even open, somebody to open their eyes and even believe that maybe the behaviors could be different, they're not even going to open themselves up to the opportunity. Spiritual, soulish healing has the same power as any physical healing does. The woman at the well experienced it. The woman caught in adultery experienced it. They didn't have physical hurt. They didn't have physical brokenness. They simply had something going on in their life and they needed healing. Now, my struggle in what I'm about to show you is I realize that I can't reduce the miraculous to mechanical. I can't say, okay, if you do one, two, or three, then, then you're going to see the healing and you're going to see the miraculous. But I can look and find consistency in what Jesus did. I can find those common things that were present, that seemed to be present each time someone was healed. So, If I, I want to, can I pick on you, Sherry? Okay. You can either give real names or you can make up names since this has been recorded or you can say, well, that's person A, person B, or person C. But I want you to think of people in your life with whom has either hurt you or the relationships are not right. Uh, can you think of those people? Can you, give, can you just give me a, a first initial of their first name? D. Okay, we're going to put person D here. Got another one? What? E. Okay. Any more? 
V? Okay. We'll go with those three. Now, each one of these stories, there needs to be healing in this, in this relationship. Something needs to be done. Something needs to change. If, if each one of you created your own list, I would encourage you to mentally do that now. A list. And I would really encourage you to, especially if some of these people are dead, don't let death take them off the list. Here's what I've discovered. In each one of these, there was a means by which healing would come and there was an action that would that would that would release that means both aspects of this the means and the action have to come by the holy spirit that's the consistency in, in what jesus did because if with with the woman at with the woman uh, that was caught in adultery, with that woman, what was the means? What did he offer her? Do what? Well, the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. The means of healing was grace. Make sense? Where are those who condemn you? I don't condemn you either. What was the action? So in the same scripture, do I? Go and sin no more. There was the action. For, for, for Peter and John, for, somebody, for the guy that was physically at the, at the temple and couldn't walk, what was, what was the means of healing? It was faith. What was, what was, the, what was the action? Rise up and walk. What does, what does this action always represent? Every time. Why is this necessary? Because he's not a magician. He's a giver of gifts. What is this action? It's the receiving of that gift by what? By faith. It's the receiving of the gift because the action always demonstrates the faith. So, Sherry, again, I'm not going to ask for specifics and don't need them, but what I would, if you were sitting in my office, I would ask the Holy Spirit, what is the means by which healing comes right here? 
that will be restorative, that, will be, that, will, that, will, that God will do to bring healing to, the, to, the, to this brokenness. I'm, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know who D is and I don't know what the situation is, but perhaps we hear the Holy Spirit say the means of healing comes with compassion and maybe this is somebody you're mad at. And the Holy Spirit says, no, it's compassion. You see, that kind of catches us off guard, but we have to let, because Jesus said, I can only do what I see. I can only speak what I hear. So the means has to be established by the Father because he and he alone knows the means by which healing can come. Because we would have a tendency to jump to like the big three. It's either forgiveness, it's grace, it's love they need. Like, and, we, and we'd keep repeating. We'd, get, we'd put, almost put forgiveness everywhere. If, the, if it's broken, forgiveness is forgiveness is forgiveness. And God's saying, are you a broken record? Is that all I've ever done? One of the ones that this young man that I was dealing with, the, the, the means of healing was uh, knock the dust off your shoes. What do you think the Holy Spirit was saying? Like Move on. The healing's going to come because you move on. You have stayed in this brokenness. It's time to move on. And the action was very specific to how to move on. What I'm really asking you to consider by just a, an element of structure around this type of healing is to get your mind thinking in these terms. When somebody's struggling and there's two people in conflict or there's brokenness in a situation, to be able to tell someone this is what's needed and then to help them and understand this, that is, this is the action that allows that, that allows that means to come about. Because my suspicion is many live in the brokenness of these, of these situations because they don't really even know where to begin to find the healing. Well, you go where Jesus went. You go to the Holy Spirit and let him speak this to you. Whoever that, whoever that next one is, what if... What if the means is truth? And then you ask them, okay, what is, what's, what's the action there? What's the action there when it was compassion? It may be something as simple as, as call them. Again, I have, a, I have a perfect illustration. You know, for me and my brother to be estranged is the time that we were. Which, even though at times of this estrangement we were talking, we've been estranged since childhood. Forever, never really having anything between us. Except 
on paper, we were brothers, never close outside of after he left for college. Strange here what, what the means of that healing was and what the action was. Now, the Holy Spirit had to do it because the means was revelation. The healing was telling. So that when we're sitting in his kitchen on my birthday on April the 28th, and I tell him what the Holy Spirit revealed, it was amazing to watch every brokenness fall away. Was, wasn't it? I mean, it was remarkable to watch it. I mean, there there were tears everywhere and restoration and acceptance and everything that came in that healing because it, first of all, required me to stop judging him. But God says, you're not going to, you're not going to, the healing's not going to come until you see by revelation what you need to see. He had to show me the cause of the, of, of the problem so that when I could go back and I could, I could tell him. This is powerful to stop long enough and say there's a problem here. We've been estranged. We've been broken for a long time. Don't like where these things are standing and God brings this to our attention and we know that he's ready to bring healing. If you've got the courage to write somebody's name in this column before the Father, He's got the willingness to show you the means and the action. Why would he ever not? When would he ever love the brokenness over the healing? When when would he ever, ever love the fragments over the restoration? He won't. But we have to think in these terms. Let him speak in these terms because we keep, we keep processing the brokenness in terms of what do I do and God's saying, but I need to reveal to you the means by which the healing will come first because out of that means will come what you, what you need to do. So if it, if it were truth, what would, what would be an appropriate action if we were just dreaming up one? Do what? Yeah, speak. Tell them. Or write a letter, do something. Because once again, what if, uh, what if, let's just pretend that this V had passed. Like, well, that, that's too late. Is it? No. Because I know somebody on both ends of this. He's not bothered by the distance. So what What could happen there? What could be the means of healing with somebody that was already gone? 
What if it was something like this? Could be forgiveness, absolutely. So what would be an appropriate action over here? I know one that I have seen a lot. The Holy Spirit brings this one a lot. As a matter of fact, I had one of these Monday. A parent that had passed a long time ago. And this person said, I've been, I was mad at him. Which I guess would be a, a fairly typical thought when a parent passes, when a child is a child, not understanding and just feeling left, that anger or frustration, misunderstanding would be one of those, one of those things. So how do you close this gap? And I, and I mentioned to this person, I said, whether this is what God would tell you or not, you got to sit with and let, let the Holy Spirit tell you. But I said, one of the most effective ways I've seen this healing come is to write a letter to that person. Something about slowing down. Something about putting it on a piece of paper, the thought that you're having, brings a great deal of healing. Can you see that? Could you see how that could possibly happen? That just to be able to write it on a piece of paper, hand write on a piece of paper, those thoughts that had been captured inside for so long? Well, and see, to me, when I hear that, if we were aware, if someone had taught us about how to heal in these situations, it may not be that we come to it any quicker, but it would be nice to know that if I'll just ask God, or I have the privilege of asking him about this, that he could have said over here, Janet, surrender. Let it go. Yeah. Well, and, and with me, with, with Dad, because we were there. We watched it from day to day. And how difficult that was. And it was terrible until Faye Perrin, un, quite unaware, I think, of, of all that she was really doing, said what she said, and then there was a means and there was an action associated with it. I encourage people, especially when somebody's passed, to write the letter, go get a balloon, roll that letter up, put it in that balloon, fill it full of helium, Find you a place. Make, make it a moment that is unique to you. Send the letter. Let it go. Now, I wouldn't recommend you sign it or put your phone number on it because somebody's going to read that, but my hope would be that somebody reading that letter would be touched and healed by it as well. That that, that, that action would actually bring, bring blessing, but there is a... But when, I had, this, I had this happen once, and the person read me the letter, and I said, you missed the point. The letter was supposed to be, if mercy was the means, what should the letter reflect? Mercy. 
that wasn't exactly the way the letter was written. But we got that straightened out pretty quickly, and it's like, oh, I, it's like I disconnected because I, I wanted to say what I wanted to say. Like, yeah, yeah. But, the, but God's saying the means is for you to see that person in terms of how he sees it so that mercy is reflected in the letter, reflected in the message. Adonna. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that it could have been. But any reason? Do I? And I don't know what he knew. Because at that time it was interesting. Uh, I was at a bank. Uh, and one of the people in the bank uh, in Leveland was talking about this, and uh, and her this lady's dad had recently passed, and so I'm talking to her about that, and she said, "You know, uh, my dad was sitting with Jan's dad the night he passed." Now I'd like to know that, so you could have asked him. Yeah, that was very common back then for people to set up with people through when they were sick through, through the nights. And, and uh, it was, and I mean, some of you may know her, uh, Gwen and Ronnie uh, Cloud in, in Leveland. Uh, Gwen's dad was the one that was sitting with Jan's dad the night he passed. Didn't know that, but discovered that a few weeks after Gwen's dad had passed. So, yeah. 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 Well, and, and I know that's that's one or probably that's one possibility. Certainly, uh, I didn't meet Jan's dad, but I've heard enough stories about him that he was quiet, as as many in that generation were. But but I it. But it was interesting when Jan's mom said she didn't know either. So that means they didn't talk about it. They had no conversations about it. So it was, I, my hunch is he didn't know either. I don't know if he realized he was that sick either. But when, when you, all this is doing, again, I don't want to, to turn the, the miraculous into something mechanical. But I do want to give you a, a framework that seemed to be consistent in Jesus' story that there was a means by which the, the restoration or healing would come, and there was a specific action. If you, will, if you will at least approach that and ask the means question first, I will tell you it will get you very close in the ballpark of what the action should be. Because if you, don't, if you start here, and again, I don't know who, who this person would be, and if we're even close in the terms of mercy, but if you've been, but if it, if you've been thinking, well, I need to forgive them. It's just, and I can't forgive them. And it's and it's like you've got really good reasons that you can't forgive them. 
like you can't get there, but you may be able to get there if you let the Holy Spirit tell you first, serious mercy. It's, it, it won't ever be anything else because you've got to understand them and, and it's got to be mercy or it's got to be grace or whatever it has, whatever it has to be. Compassion, whatever it happens to be. This ministry, as I watch it unfold back there, and I started doing this, and I probably now have done it 20 times since last, last fall with, with individuals who come in. Sometimes the list is long. Sometimes it's just one person. But, to, but to, to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to speak in these terms, he has not failed it yet. There's not been a clarity about this. And the first one that I was doing this with, he was a bit as blown away as I was. He said, how are you getting these words that are just hitting? Because I would say this, and he'd say, you know, I've been intending to do this. It was on, on every one. He had, a, he had a, a friend that had died in an accident. And he described what happened to him every year on the anniversary of that accident, what happened inside him every time. And until we, he realized there was a word that got put out here. What, what's the means for healing to come? And the, and the strange word that landed was celebrate. And he knew immediately what to do. Because that time of year was always dread. That time of year was all, it just would, it would just, like it does many, it just kind of takes them off a cliff, mentally and emotionally. It was very interesting for him to hear that word. It's like, now that takes me to a different place. If, if on the anniversary of that, this is the means by which healing will come. He said, I already know. He said, I know exactly what goes over here. So that every, every time of that anniversary comes along, it's not off a cliff, it's up here. I got a good friend that he was very close to his dad and just missed him terribly when he passed away. And every year he planned that anniversary and he was really good at it. I mean, he would work at it. He would ask himself those things that were important to his dad. and he'd, he'd go buy stuffed animals and he'd go to the children's areas of the hospital and spend the day handing these out and talking to kids because his dad loved kids. Or he would get a cup, he would get a thermos of coffee because his dad loved coffee and he'd go out in, in one of his dad's favorite places and he'd sit and he'd celebrate his dad's life. Wasn't sad, it was celebrating. Something that was important, but he... He, he wanted that moment to be valuable. Well, God's really good at this. He's really good at, at establishing the means by which healing comes. And most of the time, the action is very simple. It's rise up and walk. Go get your husband. You don't have one. I mean, each one of these things, very simple. The action that was, that was connected. We 
often think these are extreme things that we have to do, that we have to swallow real hard and forgive somebody. And, and God's saying, you won't have to forgive. The forgiveness will drastically change if you'll just let me show you the compassion. So that you quit judging him and let me show you the truth. But it's not going to come without compassion. Any questions about this? Comments about it? This was new to me. It's still quite new to me. But just like he put structure where I can sit and describe structurally what salvation looks like. And I can sit with someone and say, structurally, this is what deliverance looks like. This is how we discover this, and this is how we get rid of this. I can draw those. I can draw what repentance looks like as I, as I share that with somebody. And it was so interesting when God began to do this, because when I was sitting with him the first time, all that happened was I just, I didn't even, I, it wasn't a, I didn't see this. It was just step by step that God was showing it. I just went down the middle of this and said, this seems to be like all the areas of your life where you've got trouble. And he said, that's right. He said, every one of these, one way or the other. And, and it's like, I don't know where it came from except for the Spirit. I said, there's a means by which healing has to come. So I wrote means right there. And we began, and, and, and God gave the first one. And then he said, but there's an action required. So I went over and wrote action. It was coming step by step. And he was filling in these blanks, just boom, 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 boom. One of them, the last one, couldn't get. Holy Spirit would not give it. Well, this young man I was meeting with two or three times a week because he was going to leave. So we were kind of pressed trying to get as many opportunities as we could. And then in the following morning, I'm coming out of the utility room and get in front of the refrigerator and I turn toward our bedroom and the Holy Spirit gave me the answer. Gave me the means and gave me the action. I don't know why I couldn't have done it the day before when we were together, but that moment, I, I mean, these are moments that are so clear to me and it was like I would have never, there's not a way in the world I would have thought that up. That was not a result of me thinking about it overnight. I mean, I, it wasn't even in my mind. I turned the corner and there the answer was, I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit said, I need, I need there to be an oddity around this. I need to get this so far out of your office with such a specific time and place that when you tell him that this is what you heard and what you saw, he's not going to doubt it because it was a bit odd. Yeah. Sure. And he's the only one who knows. So the more assumptions we make that in most of these, well, our tendency would be to say that's forgiveness, that's forgiveness, that's forgiveness, that's forgiveness, that's forgiveness. And if that had been that simple, we would have likely forgiven them long ago. If it would have just been a matter of me forgiving my brother, that would have worked years before that because I tried that numerous times and I always ended up in the same place. It wasn't until there was revelation and I actually knew this and that, that healing came.
Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing? They're just ex- exposing that moment, that question, and how the Holy Spirit brings them. Because I don't know anything that's going on in our life that's creating that kind of turmoil that God's not anxious to restore or heal. We've tolerated it a long time. We've been broken in relationships a long time. Because I, I have been a bit amazed that I have not done this yet, that he didn't expose them just like that. Where I'm actually hearing something different over and over in each one of these as we go down that list. The only one that's even taken overnight was that was one time. And it just needed uniqueness because when I, when I shared it with that young man, it was like, wow, I would have never thought that. I told him, I said, yep, here I was. Turned out through that door, standing in front of the refrigerator, going down, going, heading down, we should go down the hall. And that's when he spoke. You know, even we, as our family, we don't sit around and talk about that, but, you know, we, we try to meet our siblings two or three times a year, just us. And that might be a means for us just to share what we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might, that might be a great action because we saw the power of that when we were visiting with, with my brother and sister and each one giving a perception that we didn't know they had. They were filling in huge blanks uh, in things that we didn't, we didn't know, but there was a real openness, but we're going to have to pray for your family that they will be open because they have such a tendency also to hold those cards real close to their chest as well. I, bet you they would. I do too. I, for, with, with that topic, I, I absolutely think they would. It was her birthday. She came up with the fun activities for that day, and it's like all of you got to say say one nice thing about me or something. And it was, it was, it got real hilarious before we got we got through. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, just think about your dad. I mean, just focus on him. Because I've as many years as I've been around y'all's table, I've never heard a conversation about him, much past a general mention of his farming or his military service, but personal things hadn't heard much, so. Yeah, excellent way to put it. Yeah, we, we do throw blankets over lots of things. We don't look at them anymore, so we just cover them up. 
But this is this is removing the blanket and getting in and getting into the details. And I love the fact that it, we recognize that it's only God who can give both sides of this. I'm not smart enough or intuitive enough to say, okay, I, I know, I've heard you. You put a name down there, and now I know what to tell you to do or what the means is because it is so varied, like you getting patience. I'm, that's new to me. That's a new one. But I can certainly see how God would say that. All right. Father, we thank you tonight for this, uh, the newness of this. And I don't know why it's new, because you're, the healing is so present everywhere within these gospels. But Father, this was new to me. It helped me, and I thank you for that revelation, that clarity. By which, like Danny said, there's so many things covered over with blankets. And to recognize that if we've got the courage to pull the blanket off, that you will give us the precision you will give us the details and the specifics by which healing can come so we're not coping anymore. We're, we're, we're overcoming, as you said. So thank you, Father, for this teaching, and thank you for the reminder that you are very much in the details and that you're tremendously creative. You know the means by which healing will come. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.